Okay. Amen. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Good. All right. I'm doing good. I'm excited about the word this morning. If you have your, oh, I, I'm going to need this. I don't know why I put my notes down. I wish I could memorize it all. Uh, the, the title of my message this morning is something I want you to etch into your brain. It's called Purpose Creates Consistency. Say that with me. Purpose Creates Consistency. I'm going to do something today that if my professor from Bible college was here, he would not be very pleased. His name is Clayton Crimes. Uh, my dad probably knows that name, Dr. Crimes. He's very well known in open Bible circles as far as pastors. He was my professor. I had a preaching class, believe it or not. And during my preaching class, I would get to preach in front of all the other Bible college students, and they would all grade me. That, that's, that's, I mean, I, maybe some of you today are grading me, but it's worse when you have a professor sitting in the front row, and I would say something, he would shake his head like, no. <laughs> I'm like, ah. <laughs> professor Crimes always said, don't take two different Bible stories and combine them into one. It's, it's tricky to do. I'm going to do that today. Sorry. I'm very sorry, Professor Crimes. You're retired now, but if you're ever listening to this, I love you. You're a good man. All right. We're going to go first to the book of Genesis, chapter 45, and uh, we're going to land for a few minutes on the life of Joseph, and then we're going to, we're going to go a little bit uh, further down the road in the, in the Old Testament and land on the life of Daniel. Daniel is just an amazing man. But these two words, purpose and consistency. I looked up the word last night. I was, I was looking up and I was, the word consistency, and, and a whole bunch of things came up, and, and like all these quotes and it's like, you know, you know the posters with the cats or the animals that like have these little quotes like, you know, consistency equals trust or consistency equals success. Consistency, like a consistent life equals credibility. And all these things that consistency does. But my question was, yeah, but what leads to a consistent lifestyle? I mean, so consistent lifestyle you know, creates credibility, creates trust. Someone who's consistent is somebody that, you know, somebody wants to hire um, or marry. Somebody wants to marry. I think you'd want to marry somebody who's consistent, right? You know, not unpredictable. And so, but I was like, what creates consistency? And, and I came to the word purpose. Purpose creates consistency. If you do not have purpose, vision, or a goal in life, you tend to not be as consistent as you could be. So we're going to start first out of Genesis chapter 45. And there's a situation, it's the story of Joseph. And you might be familiar with the story of Joseph. Uh, uh, at the age of 17, he, he, was, he was with his brothers and he wore what we all, we kind of call it the tunic or the coat of many colors. And he was given this, uh, he could interpret dreams. And, and, and as a young man, he was favored uh, he was the favored son of Jacob, and, and his brothers were, were jealous of this, so they sold him into slavery. That's, that's harsh. You know, I had a brother, and, and if he was jealous of me, he might, like, push me or say something or, 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 or tackle me. He didn't sell me into slavery. That's harsh. I mean, that's harsh, and that's what happened to Joseph. And, and, and so eventually, down the road, we'll find that that. He was not only sold into slavery, but he was put into prison, and then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and all these things happened. 
but all along he still had this gift of interpreting dreams, which, which really was his purpose. Like, like he had a purpose all along. All these bad things happened in his life. A lot of things that people might say, if, if God is for him, why would he allow all these terrible things to happen? But he had a purpose, and these things kind of took him to a place that God could use him. Uh, and so now, Pharaoh, long story short, all these things have happened. Here's Joseph who can interpret the dreams of kings and pharaohs. So Pharaoh puts him in charge, and he calls him his chancellor, his, his kind of his right-hand man. And, and after uh, years of famine, the Bible says like a, a very terrible season of famine that hits the land, it, it, it drove people uh, from nations to come to Egypt. You know, people from a long distance, they would come to Egypt to buy things, buy grain, by produce. So they were, they were coming here because of this famine that was everywhere. So we now we pick up the story. And remember those brothers that, that were so nice to him that sold him into slavery when he was 17. He was a young man. He was a teenager. Now, years and years later, his own brothers are coming back to Egypt, not knowing that their brother is now with, with this position of power. And so now they come back, and they're there to buy grain. They're there, you know, their father is, is, is getting very weak and old, and now they're here, and they don't recognize their, their brother. And I, and I have this quote here. If you go back to Joseph is in a position of power. And, but what happens next in his life depends on what he does in this moment, right? So, so he's had all these things happen in his life. He's been sold into slavery. He's been falsely accused. He's been put into prison. He, he, all these things have happened in his life. And all those moments have led up to this one decision he's got to make right now. What he does in this moment when his brothers come back, the very ones that sold him into slavery. And now he has to find out what is his purpose in life. His purpose is more than just interpreting dreams. And the Bible says in Genesis 45, verse 1, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room. And he said to his attendants, he said, out, all of you. Remember, his brothers have come back. They do not recognize him. He recognizes them. And so he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And I'm sure if he dropped the mic on that one. Then he broke down and he wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. And so he said to his brothers, he said, I am Joseph. Like, like do you recognize me? Maybe he had to sit there and like, like just kind of explain what had happened, and he said to his brothers, remember, up to this point, they did not know who he was because he looked so different than the last time they saw him. How I many know sometimes life will take you through things, and, and, and as you serve God, and as you pull away from your old lifestyle, you should start having a different countenance on you. Amen? Like, like your old, if you went back to your high school, if you've been away from high school for five, ten, or more years, you should go back there, and the more that you draw to God, the more you should almost like your, 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 the spirit within you of God should almost cause people to say, there's something different about you. 
Like, like, I hope I, if I went back to school, they would say, like, like there's something different about you. It's almost like I don't recognize you because you can say, yeah, God's been doing something in my life. Amen. And so Joseph, in this moment, identifies himself. He says, I am Joseph. And then the next part, he asks a question. He says, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph, right, the one that they sold into slavery, was standing there in front of them in this position of power. And he said, please come closer. I want you to think about the magnitude of this moment right here. Uh, these are the same brothers that almost destroyed his life. And now he's like, come close to me. Like, like, I've been waiting for this moment to speak to you. I've been, and so this moment defines like his purpose in life. Everything that he's been through has been leading up to this moment. And like I said, the question is, how will he interpret this moment? So they came closer and he said again, he's like, I'm Joseph. Like, it's me, your brother, right here. Whom, and then he kind of, right, he's like, it's me, I'm Joseph. You know, the, the one that you saw, <laughs> sold into slavery. He like, kind of puts that right there. And verse 5 is what I like to say is our assignment. But then he says to his brothers, don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. You see what he says here? It was what? God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. You see the purpose. He's in a position now to look beyond something and say, it's actually God had a purpose for everything that you did. God sent me here ahead for this moment, for this time. Let's read verse 5 again. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Joseph, Joseph, Joseph is saying, like, you sold me, but God sent me. You see, there's two different, like, you did this, but then God did this. And, and when I'm studying the text originally, I was asking, like, like, which one is it? Like, you sold me, or is it God sent me? You see, there's two different thoughts. They could, you could almost think that they contradict themselves, but they don't. We're going to explain that. The first one is an event, but the second one is an interpretation. It's like, like the event was you sold me, but the interpretation is God sent me. How many have ever been through something in your life? You're like, this is what happened. This is the event. But, I, but God is allowing me to interpret it a different way. Like, like, like what the enemy meant for evil, for harm, God meant for Good. This happened, but this is the interpretation of what God did through it. Amen? Aren't you thankful, God, you've been through some things in your life and you've come through and you're like, God, thank you, because now through this storm, I learned to trust in you. Amen? Yeah. Like, like when you're in the situation, it's hard to interpret it, but then you begin to have purpose. You know, purpose is such a huge thing. Like, like I, my life has purpose and meaning. And so Joseph is explaining this to his brothers who sold him. He's like, hey, hey, you guys, you brother, like you pushed me into the pit. Like it, it's a fact and it happened. It's actually something like, like you pushed me into the pit. Uh, and I, I can't change it. It wasn't right. You left me alone, you, you know, you broke my heart. Um, 
Basically, he's saying, like, you should have been there for me, but you weren't. You sold me, but what? God sent me. Purpose. Like, like, these things happened to me. Like, that's the fact. That's the event. But the interpretation is God sent me. He already knew this day would come when they would come back years later and they wouldn't recognize him and he would say, I am your brother. Don't be angry at yourself. It's not two separate realities. It's one event and interpretations. And I ask myself this question all the time. And I think we need to ask ourselves as a body, do we want to live life in the event as, as, as a human being, as like everything in the event? Or can we begin to say, God, what is the purpose for this? Like, what, what, what is the interpretation of what you're doing in my life? Listen, if your life doesn't have purpose, you have a hard time having consistency, amen? Like, like, I have a purpose in raising my daughters. I have a purpose in leading this church. I want to have a purpose in my marriage. Everything I do needs to have a purpose so that I can find myself being consistent with what I do. I just don't want to live life in a bunch of ups and downs. So the more I read the story of Joseph, I realize that in many situations in life, and, and in this story, God chose not to intervene for Joseph when he was a young boy. God chose not to change that situation at all. Like, like he still went through what he went through. He went through the pit and he went to prison and he was falsely accused. And, and this all happened. And, and I used to think it always had to happen one way with God. Like everything should be this way. Like if I have enough faith that my situation should change, And sometimes when our situations don't change, it's easy for the enemy to come in right there and say, you don't have enough faith. That's why God didn't do this. But when we begin to realize, how many know God has a higher purpose. His ways are higher than our ways, amen? And I need to be content in my situation if I'm still going after a purpose. Like in my life. And, and, And you know, it's... There have been times in my life when the situation did not change like I wanted it to. But the more I prayed, the more I realized I needed to change. Let me say that again. Your situation might not change. The question is, are you allowing God to change you in the situation? Like, like, like if I just went to God and he changed every situation, but I don't change. Like, I don't I don't continually change from the person that I used to be into what God wants me to be. If he just does everything I want and I never change, I am not fulfilling a purpose. I think God allows us to go through situations, amen, if we will change in the situation and draw closer to him. So this is one of the greatest gifts that we can have. This is one of the things. And, 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 and let me relate this to you like this. So I've had the opportunity to preach. Some of you probably have been on mission trips. I know many of you have. And, and I've, I've had interpreters a lot. Um, and I used to do a lot of ministry in Mexico. Spent a lot of time down in Mexico and Tijuana on mission trips with a youth ministry. Recently, now once a month, I have an interpreter when I, when I preach to the, to the people in Pakistan. And I speak a little Spanish. I speak no, I don't even know what the language is called. I guess it's Pakistani. That's terrible. I don't even know that. But I have an interpreter, and I'm relying on them to interpret what I say. 
Now, a good, a bad interpreter, if I say something to like, to a crowd of people and I say, God is great. And then my interpreter spends like six sentences explaining what I just said. How many know they are adding to my words? That's not a good interpretation. Like, like, so if I say God is great and then I sit back and I wait for like four minutes for them to finish, I'm like, what did they just say? <laughs> That's not exactly the kind of interpretation that I want. Thank the Lord that hasn't happened. But there's so many times in our life when, when, when people will hear things in a situation or they'll read into things that God never said. Like, like, like they'll, they'll kind of go through something and they interpret it as God is against us, but how I many know he is for us, amen? And it's so sometimes we can add to what God is saying. When God is just telling us very direct order, sometimes you need to do this, this, and this. And it's easy for us to put in our own interpretation. And how many know the enemy loves to interpret what God says? He'll go right to our mind and start filling us with all this doubt, this fear, this, how could this happen? You're a terrible person. You've done this. You've done that. And we begin to listen to all the interpretation when the interpretation should come from God alone. Amen? What is he saying? Like, what is, what is your divine purpose in life? Your purpose is not just to make a check. That is part of your life. But that, that's an event. That's something that happens. That's something that you must do. But your purpose is to influence the world with the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? Amen? The good news, the great commission. Sometimes we'll get interpretation from people in our lives. I'm sure we all have friends who will interpret our situations, but if they are not in the word of God, I don't know if I want or I suggest that you always take all of their suggestions and their advice in your life. Get your advice, get your suggestions when you go through things from men and women who are in the word of God, amen? Like when somebody gives me a word, sometimes I wanna make sure it lines up with the word. So your interpreter should be somebody who's in the word. Paul said this, Paul said, pray for the power to interpret. So, I mean, Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams. That gift allowed him to fulfill his purpose to, bring, to have his brothers come back in to say, it's okay. Like, go back to dad. Tell him that I'm here, I'm alive. That was his purpose. He was able to interpret. But Paul said, pray for the power to interpret. Interpret things, interpret tests. Because if we don't interpret things correctly, we can fight the wrong battles easily. And then in verse 6 of 45 in Genesis, the outcome is this famine, he said, that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you purpose to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. How many know that he could have been very bitter? I mean, if that, you think about it, he could have been angry, bitter, resentful, and he actually had a right to in some ways. He really did. But then his purpose would have been missed. Like, God, I, I don't want to live life in this, in this constant anger. I don't want to just be so over this. God, I want to be able to see purpose in what I do. Amen? And so he saw that, and that's a lot. I don't know if I could have done that. So it was, in verse 8, 
God who sent me here. God sent me here. He's saying, not you. You remember when it's like they sent him, but God also did the same thing. Remember that part? God sent him, but they, they put him there. He's saying right now, no, it wasn't you. It was God who sent me here. God's purpose for, was for me to go ahead of you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. God always has a purpose in what he does, amen? It's how we interpret things. We might not always like how he does things, but the question is, are you learning? Are you growing? Or are we just going through life? God, I want to be a consistent believer. I want to be a consistent follower of you, amen? Like, consistency is a big deal to me. Like, I, 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 I'm very... Um, motivated, and, and when I see people who are consistent, how many like to go to restaurants? Aren't you thankful for some restaurants that every time you go, you just know it's going to be good? Why? Because they're consistent. Like if I go to a restaurant and one time it's really bad or really nasty, and the next time it's good, and then it's bad, like, I might not go back there because I'm like, I just don't know what I'm going to get here. I, like, I don't know what's going to do to me. No, I go to certain places like our family have certain places like we can count on going. Right, we go to East Ocean. We've been going there since we've lived here. I can tell you, when I get that General Tao's chicken, wow, General So, General Tao, the, the debate continues. <laughs> right? I know what I'm getting because it's consistently good. Like, so, like my prayer life, like, God, I want to be consistent in my prayer life. Amen? I want to be consistent as a father, as a friend. Like, I think that's the big thing that's being lost in our world today is just, like, consistency. But purpose is what drives consistency. Like, I need to say, God, purpose. What is the purpose for this? What is my purpose in this house, in this church, in my family, in my life? And probably one of the people that I looked to in the Bible that was one of the most consistent people is a man by the name of Daniel. I know Daniel was very consistent. He was courageous. He was, he was a man of character. He was also very consistent, and he had a purpose. And I want to examine this for just a moment, the life of Daniel. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 6. So we found Joseph who had purpose. He, he knew his purpose. He identified what he went through later in life. He's like, I was here to help my family. Like God put me in this position. It was my purpose. But I want to share some things about the life of Daniel. I, did I put a list on there? I hope I did, maybe. Yeah, let's, let's go. Daniel, if you're not familiar, he's from David's royal family. Daniel is renowned for his wisdom and intelligence. Daniel's specialty is a dream interpretation. Now, now we found Joseph also had the same gifting. Daniel is, is a specialist with kings and leaders. Daniel's righteousness is legendary status. Listen, the Bible gives zero dirt on Daniel. I, how many know? There, most people in the Bible will, will find that there's some dirt on their lives, right? Daniel... There's not much they could find, and he had some enemies who got jealous, and they were trying to dig up any dirt on him. It's kind of like politicians today. Like, they were trying to find any dirt on this guy. And the only thing they could find is that he was really faithful to God. And they twisted that somehow. Like, like in the Bible, I mean, there's so many people that we call, like, heroes of the faith. Like, like David committed adultery and murder. 
Moses got drunk and then exposed himself. He was like running around naked. I mean, I mean, so on and on. I mean, I'm sorry, Noah, not Moses. Moses struck the, the, the rock and was banned from Canaan. So we know, but Daniel, there's not a lot of dirt on this guy. We got one more here about Daniel made, is made the chief, uh, he, he is made the chief prefect, that's what it is, the leader of the wise men in Babylon after interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's first dream. Daniel is a government official under four kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. He was the Persian. You'll read about him at the end of chapter six. Daniel was probably in his 80s. I mean, he was like an 80-year-old man when he was put in the lion's den when I was a kid, we used to do felt boards in Sunday school. Remember the felt boards, right? You put them up there. And I always wanted the job of being the person who put up the felt board. Like, how many in this room ever had the job of running an overhead projector in the church? Some of you remember the overhead projector, right? That's a, that's a really important ministry because, like, if it's crooked, everybody sees that it's crooked, right? And you want to scroll it just right. I mean, I saw some people who do it wrong, and I was like, oh, get that over, but there's some people that were gifted in the overhead ministry. I feel bad for you that that ministry is not happening anymore. Because some of you are really talented. I was the guy who I always wanted to run the felt board. I'd be like, teacher, can I do the felt board? Now, all the Daniels that I remember seeing as a child were like really young and chiseled. I mean, we know that the Bible says that Daniel was actually a very handsome man. But he also, at the time that he was thrown into the lion's den, was in his 80s, so he was getting up there in years because he was taken into captivity as a young man uh, uh, in Babylon, and, and they were, the, his native Israelites, they were, they were there for 70 years in captivity, and it was in the reign of Darius after 70 years that he was thrown into the lion's den. You remember the story, King Darius actually really liked Daniel. The Bible says actually when they came and they plotted against Daniel that King Darius wept and he fasted. He's like, there's got to be another way. But we're going to find that Daniel was very consistent. Let's go to verse 1. We're going to read 10 verses out of Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 Satraps. Satraps were the governors of the provinces, okay? So they were ruling over 120 other leaders to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three, uh, three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So they're in a position of power. Daniel, like Joseph, was also working in a position of power under a king, a leader. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was within him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. We see some of his purpose also. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. Here they are. They're looking for dirt. What can we find? But they could not find no charge or fault because he was what? Faithful nor there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king, they plotted and said thus to, king, to him, King Darius, live forever. All right, so they're gonna butter him up. <laughs> 
all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors, have consulted. There's a lot of jealousy going on here. They're very jealous of Daniel in his favor. They've consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you. What they're saying is, nobody can pray to anybody but you, King Darius. So now they're setting up a trap for Daniel, who was a man of prayer, except you. The result would be, O king, shall be cast, they would be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, established the decree and signed the writing. Daniel chapter 5, I think it's 5, talks, there's something, actually, ever heard the, the expression, the writing is on the wall? That's right here, okay, Daniel. So, the king established a decree, signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to law and the uh, Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. He didn't cause a fuss. He went home. But what did he do? And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God. Read this next part with me out loud. And was his custom sense for the days. He didn't just start praying when this news came. This proves that he was a, a man who was consistent. This is something he had been doing for a long time since his early days as it became custom. Daniel was a man who had purpose, but that led to a life of consistency. And I hear people say, like, what is my purpose in life? Like, what am I here for? What, what, what's all this about? And I begin to say, listen, you'll find your purpose, but these two things are connected, purpose and consistency. I need to be consistent in my relationships. I want to be consistent in my, in my actions, in my attitude. I want to be consistent in my worship, in my time with God, most importantly. Amen? So Daniel gives us this example of a consistent life. And I want to share with you as we get ready to close three principles that Daniel gives us. That Daniel did not compromise his faith in an ungodly world. Now, who thinks that we can relate to Daniel right now and say that we live in an ungodly world? Amen. Amen? The question is, are we able to say that we are not compromising our faith in the midst of an ungodly world? Brothers and sisters in Christ, let me employ you today. Let me charge you with this decree. We need to be consistent now more than ever in the things that we know and believe. Amen? This is no time for wishy-washy Christianity. This is no time for wishy-washy relationships. Church, we need to be consistent now because things, we might go through some trials and some tests like Joseph. Amen? We might go through some pits. And it's easy to say like, oh, why are all these things happening? But I know that God has a purpose. He works all things together for good for those who believe. Amen? But what he's looking for are people who are consistent. I want to look at three principles Daniel gives us. Number one, principle number one is don't give in. Be resistant. We have a tendency to conform to the patterns of this world instead of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. 
We need to reverse that and say, I want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit so that I don't give in to the patterns of this world. Amen? We need to be resistant. They wanted Daniel, this, they wanted him to change his, his language. They wanted him to change who he prayed to. They wanted him to change who he was. But Daniel was resistant. He said, like, I'm still going to pray to God three times. Like, I'm, I'm not going to give in to what I know is not right. He was resistant. He resisted things that came against his stance. Like, there's some things that we, right, how many know there's some things that we say, I need, this is kind of what I'm supposed to do. I'm a citizen. These are the laws of the land. Amen? But when it's something that goes against what my God says, his word still reigns over the laws of the land. Amen? I don't mean go out and do, do a bunch of stuff and breaking the laws. But I mean, Daniel's like, you can't ask me to pray to King Darius when I have to pray to God Yahweh. Like this is, like, so if they said, like, if, if it ever came to a point in our country, which I pray it won't, where they're like, you are not allowed to worship anymore. You're not allowed to say the name of God anywhere in public. Guess what? I'm still going to say the name of God. I'm still going to say Jesus in public. Right? You understand. There's some things that we, we, we obey the laws of the land. But if it, if it means that we have to uh, uh, sacrifice our faith, that's what's happening to Daniel. He's like, I will be resistance. I won't give in. Principle number two, you learn from the life of Daniel, who is so consistent. Principle number two, don't give up. Be consistent. Daniel was a person who was consistent in his actions, and he did not give up. For 10 days, uh, for 10 days, they did not give up to prove God's power to help them. Throughout the Bible, there is a theme to not give up. It's like a theme of the Bible. Don't give up. Joseph didn't give up from the pit. I mean, like, like he didn't give up from the palace, the prison. Joseph's just like, I will not give up. And it's like, God, I don't ever want to be in a mindset that I ever would give up on you. Like, I want to be consistent in my walk with the Lord. Amen? If there's one thing I want to leave as a legacy, a purpose, I want people to say he was consistent or she was consistent in the relationship with God. Amen? I mean, that's a great thing to say. Like, this is somebody I could count on. Like I talked about the word consistency. If you go to like an employer, you'll see things like consistency leads to success. Consistency leads to trust. I can trust people who are consistent. I like, God, I want you to trust me. Like I want to show you that I am consistent in my lifestyle. It's not just a Sunday thing, amen? It's not just a, just a momentary when I need help thing. It's like, God, I want to be consistent every day in my life with you. Daniel was resistant, and he was also consistent. And the third one, the third principle is don't give out. Be persistent. See, God showed himself to be strong. Uh, the Bible says the king found no one like Daniel. Daniel's, Daniel and his friends were, were basically, it says, 10 times better in wisdom and understanding than all the magicians and all the astrologers. I would like to say 10 million times better. <laughs> they, were, they were, in the king's eyes, though, they were so much better. And remember, Daniel continued for 70 years. 
He was in, he was in Babylon. He was, he was not in the place he wanted to be. And for 70 years, he consistently continued. He was persistent, but he didn't give out. And after 70 years, the moment came for his faith to be tested, and he, he stood the test of time. And if, what I love is the story takes such a dramatic change. Of course, the next day, the king comes out, and he, and he calls crying out. He goes to the, dan, the lion's den. He's like, Daniel, are you there? Like the king wanted him to be there, and Daniel said, I'm here. And the Bible says he came out unharmed, unscathed, and he, he hung out with lions. And he came out, this man, and the king made a decree to worship the one true God. See, his consistent lifestyle changed the nation, changed the circumstances. If he would have caved, if he would have said, you know what, it's just for 30 days. You know, just for 30 days. I just won't pray to God for 30 days. I'll keep everybody happy. How I many know it would have never resulted in the purpose that was for a king to make a new decree to worship God? Like we have to be resistant and persistent and all these systems and consistent. And all these things add up to a life that says my life has purpose. The, the question I want to leave you with today is like what are you doing that is consistent in your life for God. Like ask yourself truly, not even me or not to this, con- this congregation, but like, God, what in my life can I say I'm consistently doing? And I pray if there's nothing right now or you're having a hard time thinking, say, God, I want to be consistent. I want to be this way. Can I ask the worship team to join me or those who are able to come up? God is looking for some Daniels today. And maybe you feel more like Joseph. Maybe you feel like, like, you know, like he went through so many trials for years. And he waited and waited. And he was just, he knew there was purpose. There was, there was attached to his life was purpose. Joseph was also consistent. Daniel, at the same time, like for a long time, he sat in the shadows and he waited. And he, he was just faithful, consistent. And sometimes we're waiting, God, like, I want this to happen right now. I, I get impatient with God. There's many of you in this room, like, I pray for so many of you, and I, like, say, God, right now, would you just, like, meet that need or bring that healing? And, and, and God, how many know God is able to do it in a second, in a moment, just like this, boom. Amen? If he chooses. And he might choose that, and I pray that. But as we wait for that answer to prayer, as we wait, God, I want to be consistent. I want to learn from what I'm going through. God, change me. Even if you don't change all of my circumstances, even if you don't change everything around me, I pray that you would always change me. Would you stand with me? Father, I, I just sense my heart. There's, a teaching spirit here today. There's like the, the spirit of the living God is just speaking to our hearts. Like purpose creates consistency. 
And, and there's many things that we are called to do. There are many elements to life. Like part of your, your DNA, your purpose is to be a faithful friend, is to be a good parent if you have kids, is to be a good son or daughter, is, is, is to be loyal, is to live a life of integrity. All these things are characteristics of what God wants us to be, right? I mean, I mean it seems like it's a lot to ask, but how many know if we keep our eyes on God and we make that our number one thing. God, I want to be faithful to you. I want to be consistent. How many know those other things will all feed off that? Like, like sometimes it's hard for me. I start thinking of all the things I got to do. Like I, I got to do this and then I got all these things and, and we all have a lot to do. We all have a lot going on. But I just say the one thing that I need to never ever stop being consistent in is my relationship with God. Because when that stops, everything else pays. Like, like, when I stop being consistent in my walk with God, everything else takes a hit. And so that's the number one thing in our life. That's our purpose, is to worship Yahweh, is to say, God, my life, I want my life to have more meaning than just making it to retirement. I want my life to have more meaning than just to say, look at all these nice things I own and I have. I mean, those things, but Lord, I want my life to really leave a purpose of a legacy of, like somebody could say, that was somebody who loved God. That is somebody who lived a life of integrity. They were, they were a faithful friend. How many know God is a faithful friend? We used to sing this song called Jesus, You Become My Favorite Friend. Darrell Evans. It's like a consistent life. Let me pray every year as we go. Father, I, I just, these words ring in my head like dependable, trustworthy, faithful, resistant, reliable, steady. These are all words that are connected to consistency and purpose. Like, like God, I want to be able to to live a life, God, where, where I'm moving in a direction towards you. I, I'm not just kind of being thrown all over the place. Like the Bible says, uh, it's not going to be tossed by, by the waves, Lord. I, I want to have purpose and direction in my life. And storms will hit. Things will come. But Lord, I want to keep my focus on you and have this steadfast. The Bible says that when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, knowing that the cross awaited him, the Bible says that he was like flint, meaning he was focused. He was ahead of the crowd. It's one of the only times you'll find that Jesus was ahead of the crowd. I mean, almost every other time Jesus was amongst the people, but he had a purpose and that was the cross. He had like an intensity about getting to that cross. He, even though he did not want to, he asked his father to take that from him. He, he knew that's, that was a purpose. And so nothing was going to stop him. And as believers, I pray that we would have that same determination that, that my relationship with God is first and foremost. Nothing is going to stop my, my pursuit of knowing Jesus. Like, like, I pray, God, not only do I want to know you, I want to experience the joy of knowing you. Like, like, this life can be such a beautiful adventure. 
I don't want to have the mindset that this life is a, is a, is a terrible hardship. Lord, I want to pray that every storm, high, low, good days, bad days, everything I do, God, that I'm learning to trust in you more. But that my life would show consistent faith. My life would show consistent attitude. Lord, I pray that this word so into our hearts all week. That, Father, we would ask you, what can I do? What area of my life do, that needs to change, that needs some, some, some attention to right now? Maybe you're consistent at other things. Maybe I just don't, I don't want to be the person like, they're always mad. I mean, that's not the good thing to be consistent. <laughs> it's like, they're always in a bad mood. No, I want to be that person. They're like, that's somebody who always knows how to pray. They know how to like speak a word into my life. Lord, I thank you for this day and these moments we've had. Father, I pray as we go from this place, Lord, you will lead us and guide us into greater depths with you. Our, Our church services are great on Sundays, but Lord, Monday's church, Tuesday we're having church in your homes, Wednesday, Thursday, every single day let us meet with you and grow. Be consistent in that find our purpose in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen.